Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Good morning, this is Talking Tourism and I'm today's host, David Reid. Every week, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania will be bringing you conversations with the brightest minds we have in the tourism industry. So the TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania, and each episode of Talking Tourism deals with a specific tourism-related topic. It's got tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in this visitor economy. You might be listening to this outside of Tasmania. If so, welcome. The content of these podcasts will be relevant for your tourism business wherever you're based. And today, I'm talking with Todd Houston. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Good morning. Very well, thanks. That's good. Todd, our conversation today is sustainability. And if I just look through quickly your CV, you're passionate about helping Tasmanians um, and communities and businesses to play their part in achieving global sustainability and to thrive in the process. Um, you've been very busy over the last few years and I've noticed that you were in something called Engineers Without Borders. Yes, what that's was right. That? So I'm an engineer by training and uh, in my first job I got to do a lot of travelling around the world and to some developing countries which really you know, shocked me to see how some people lived and I thought there's got to be something that I can do to help with my specific skills as an engineer and I stumbled across this organisation in its very early days called Engineers Without Borders and got involved with them. So they send professional engineers overseas to volunteer in developing communities and help them with clean drinking water. Where did you go? Uh, I went to Cambodia right. um, and helped a, an organisation over there that builds ceramic water filters to make clean drinking water. Okay. And you've been working with Sustainable Living Tasmania for 10 years or so. Tell us about that organisation. What does that do? So we're a, a not-for-profit organisation. We've been around longer than me, about 45 years, and we do anything and everything we can to further the cause of sustainability. And our, our core belief is that Tasmania can inspire the world to achieve global sustainability and thrive in the process. Very lofty goals indeed. Inspire the world. Okay. So... Let's start with some simple ideas because I feel sure that all of us want to save the planet in some way but we want to take more responsibility for our actions. So um, let's take a small example and start telling us about the things that we need to be considering in energy, fuel, water, materials. Just just start off. Tell us how we can make a kickstart kick, kick this. Sure. Um, energy is often the place to start because... Energy is often a significant cost to a business or, or to a household for that matter. And so there are a lot of different things that you can do to reduce how much energy you consume in the first place or even generate your own renewable energy. And they, they can be profitable things. So you're, you're helping the planet and you're helping your hip pocket at the same time. Is that, is, that real, is that realistic about generating your own, Todd? Is that serious? Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, at the moment, we're working with, uh, we've just done two farms, energy audits on two farms, and we've, um, we've recommended one of those install a 10 kilowatt solar panel system. That might cost about $12,000, but because of the energy used on site, 
at that farm, they, we expect it would pay itself off in about four years. And because the solar panels keep going on for you know, 25 years, that can make a really significant so saving over the long run. So there's 21 years of free power after the first four. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's quite a substantial okay. saving. Uh, we've also just come back from an aquaculture uh, plant and found significant savings for them in how they chill the water for, uh, required in that aquaculture plant. Um, we've done schools recently as well. We're doing four schools at the moment and there's a bunch of different ways that they can reduce how much heat is lost from the schools in terms of uh, the types of windows they have, the coverings, the curtains or blinds they have over those windows, the amount of insulation in the ceiling. So there's always a bunch of different ways that you can reduce how much energy you use or generate your own renewable electricity and save money in the process. If we consider that the tourism business in Tasmania is predominantly small business and small business people. Um, what are the uh, energy tips that we could be discussing in their context? Okay, so with any any uh, sustainability thing, there's, there's like a hierarchy and the one that people would know the best would be the, the waste hierarchy. So reduce, reuse, recycle. And it goes in that order. So first of all, you want to avoid producing waste in the first place. Uh, and the same goes for energy. You know, if uh, the, the cheapest energy is the energy you don't use. Uh, but then if you are using energy, the question is how efficiently can you use it? And then thirdly, if you, you're using it as efficiently as possible, can you generate that energy renewably? And so just to take a small accommodation provider, for example, uh, some of the ways that you can you reduce energy consumption in the first place is to have a good building design that doesn't require as nearly as much heating in the first place. Now, if you've already got your buildings existing, that can be difficult to do. You can't change the orientation of the building once it's built, but you can improve the insulation in the ceiling. Uh, you can put up better curtains or um, honeycomb blinds. I can see in the room we're in, there's these wonderful honeycomb blinds that are very good at keeping the, the warmth in. Um, there are also ways that you can engage your customers to help you in reducing energy and water and waste. And one that's quite common in the accommodation business is uh, you'll see it in the bathroom, there'll be a little sign there saying, you know, if you want a fresh towel, leave your old towel on the ground. If you're happy to use it again, then hang it up on the, on the towel rack. And that very simple initiative can save a whole lot of uh, the, the costs of washing um, and also all the labour involved in all of that washing as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that, that's that's good. In in um, I'm interested in... In water saving, especially in, in Tasmania, where we obviously think that water is plentiful and there's plenty of it, so why would we bother? Yeah, sure. Um, so, and in some places in Tasmania, that's you know, fairly true. Um, here in Hobart, we've got a fairly plentiful water supply. There are still some environmental impacts of, of sourcing that water, so you're taking that water away from natural environments in which there'll be a a whole bunch of magnificent wildlife that kind of depends on that water. Um, but we're not about to run out. So it's not the same as in uh, you know, some parts of, of Victoria where um, you know, they're in serious shortages. However, there are a few parts of Tasmania where there are significant shortages. Every year there are, there are strict water restrictions and so saving water is quite important there. And then there's also the impact of the water once it's been used and it goes down the drain into the sewerage system, it needs to be pumped and then treated at the sewerage plant and eventually pumped back out into a, a river or into the ocean. 
And so that has environmental impacts as well. So it's, it's a, always a good thing to save on water. That makes sense. Um, I'm quite interested in your idea of materials. That, that, is a, that is a grab all bag at the bottom of the thing, what, 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 at the bottom of the basket. What, what do you describe as materials and how can we have a better impact on saving on materials? Sure. I mean, it, it is a bit of a catch-all. That's kind of everything that's not energy or water. Uh, but so a big one is food. There are big environmental impacts of how we produce the food and how we uh, store it and get it to site and then cooking it and so on. And a lot of food tends to go to waste. And so reducing the amount of food waste is important. Um, a really simple thing that you can do is if you're running a, um, a catering business or a, a restaurant at your accommodation business, then just offering different size meals. You know, some, some people like to eat a lot and other people don't eat so much and giving people the option is great. Otherwise, they either end up stuffing themselves and with a bellyache or with a whole bunch of food left on the plate which just gets chucked in the bin. So reducing that food waste just by giving people the option of meal sizes is one great way. Um, you're always going to have... I just wanted to interrupt. This reminds me of the beer glasses, does it? So you, we, could, we could have different size different size plates. As you go to the pub, you could have different size glasses. You could have a pint yeah. or half a pint. Sure. Same sort of thing? Yep. Well, my, when I go out to lunch or dinner with my mum, she always orders an entree, entree. size. Yeah. yeah. But just having that option explicitly yeah. on the menu and, and encouraging people to do it because I remember I always used to be a bit embarrassed as a teenager when my mum ordered a, an entree size even when it wasn't on the menu. And I was like, mum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? I think we all do that. I think we all would prefer to have... Um, um, smaller portions on a number of occasions and, yeah, you can either have it as a main and then you've just got to leave most of it on the plate. You're dead mm. right. Just giving people the choice yeah. is the main thing. Uh, it, it can be tricky, like you don't want to force some things onto people. Um, the food meal size is one thing but also, um, you know, the, the towels that we mentioned before, if people really want a fresh towel, you want to give them the option but if they're happy to reuse it, then why not? Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Okay, so a small operator is, uh, or a large operator, um, has been successful in, in monitoring, managing, measuring their energy and their water and their materials. And they decide that it's time to see whether they can be accredited for this. So there is a system called EcoStar, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So that's just been introduced by the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. And uh, from what I understand it, there's already an accreditation process for tourism operators generally. Yes, And so is. if you've got that, then getting the EcoStar accreditation is just uh, a smaller extra step. So it's um, like an extra module on top yeah, of the – okay, good. Yeah, that's right. I think it's currently free, right. which is fantastic. And it seems to be being taken up, uh, you know, with, with uh, quite widely. So that's fantastic to see that quite a lot of businesses are taking it up. You do just need to demonstrate how it is that you are, for example, uh, using your resources, so materials, waste, uh, water, energy, what you're doing to, um, you know, to reduce consumption and use things efficiently. That's one of the criteria. There are a few other criteria as well. And do you think that the visitors that are coming to Tasmania, um, do you think they're aware of sustainability practices generally? Yes. I mean, of course, there's a spectrum, but Tasmania has this wonderful clean green image and this beautiful wilderness that 
is the reason why so many people come to Tasmania for a tourism experience. And we really need to walk the talk, um, especially if you're a, a tourism operator that is kind of is branded around and is selling that experience of a, a pristine wilderness experience or a, you know, a sustainable Tasmanian experience. Um, you know, people are coming to Tasmania not just for the wilderness, but we've also got this reputation as the, the you know the renewable energy island. Ninety uh, something percent of our electricity comes from hydro and wind. That's very unique throughout the world. And la- in 2016, we were actually carbon neutral as an island, so that all of the forests growing back counteracted all of the emissions from cars, coal, and cows. And How that come is- no one knows that? That's pretty clever stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's quite an achievement. Um, I think it's Tassie and Bhutan were like the two places in the world who were carbon neutral. Wow. Um, we've got some work to do to remain there, but I believe that we can not just remain carbon neutral, but we can actually be a net sink where we're pulling carbon back out of the atmosphere. So you said that was 2016, Todd. So, yes. so did we did we not do so well in 2017 or 18 or haven't the numbers been crunched yet? The 2017 numbers just came out and there was a bounce back up. So uh, we emitted, I think it was about a million tonnes, which sounds like a lot, but in, in the grander scheme, I think Australia is about 500 million tonnes. So Tassie's only a very small proportion. 500. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So... Um, yeah, we have quite low per capita emissions and that was partially because of changes in forestry practices and um, energy use and so on. Yeah. But being carbon neutral, I would have thought from um, a marketing perspective is a is a big tick item, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, huge. I mean, if you could come to Tassie and have this beautiful wilderness experience, uh, if you could get to where, you know, to the destination in an electric vehicle that's 100% powered by clean, renewable electricity. Um, you know, it could be the whole package of the kind of future that we need to live as uh, as humanity in, in order to sustain the um, in order to sustain humanity and provide a, a good quality of life for our children and grandchildren. You know, we, we can demonstrate a model of, of what that is. And I think tourism has a a really important part to play in actually giving people a taste of what that kind of life is like. And so when tourists visit Tasmania, I think it's really important for those operators to actually walk the talk. Um, So as an operator, you can save money on, you know, not using as much energy. You can help the planet. You can also help with your marketing, actually attracting guests to your business because you're walking the talk. So you've got the EcoStar accreditation uh, and you're doing all these wonderful things. But also, um, once a customer leaves and goes back and, you know, maybe provides an online review or talks to their friends and family, you know, if they've come to expecting a clean green experience and they see all of this energy and food and stuff being wasted, that's not going to, you know, leave a good taste in their mouth. But if they can see that the tourism business is walking the talk, then they're going to go back and sing the praises of that business and, and generate even more business for them, so... Yeah, it's important stuff. Well, it is, Todd, and you've, you you are inspiring. And uh, so the the goal of um, can Tasmania inspire the world in sustainability and thrive in the process is much more realistic now than when I first met you half an hour ago. Um, I didn't realise. I don't think many people would that Tasmania is carbon neutral, or was sorry, and is is going to achieve that uh, auspicious title again. Mm. Um, 
And it's one of the really unique things that we have um, also politically. So all three political parties have this goal of zero emissions and 100% renewable electricity. And that's just not the case in other states where there's actual these political battles going on about renewable energy. You know, everyone loves it here. That's something that's really unique about Tasmania as well. And it, it all adds value to our brand, as you say, and if we can walk the talk and if we can um, continue to showcase through our visitors of 1.5 million a year in a couple of years' time, if we can continue to tell them how important carbon neutrality is, then I would think that we are going to be doing good things for the planet and they can emulate that when they get home. Definitely. Um, and you can actually become carbon neutral as a, an independent business um, and actually at the, uh, the Tourism Industries Conference that I spoke at a couple of weeks ago, one of the, um, the Trek, Wilderness Trek providers um, came and spoke with me and I'm now working with them to measure all of their, their carbon emissions Australia-wide and then work out how to offset them so they can become a carbon neutral business. Fantastic, fantastic. Todd, it's been lovely to talk with you today. I would like to finish up this conversation uh, with a discussion about carbon footprint and sustainability generally for Tasmanian tourism operators because topically we happen to be slap in the middle of the Tourism Award nomination process. And at the bottom of that, there is a significant, um, uh, important question now about sustainability. So a lot of operators, 80 or 90 operators, are this moment or during this week um, working on their Tourism Award submission and they are working on how they might approach this question of the amount of carbon footprint they have and what their sustainability practices might be. Obviously in Tasmania we're, we're pretty lucky because our electricity comes from, the majority of it I understand anyway, comes from hydro and wind. So mm -hmm. that's a good leg up for the Tasmanian uh, tourism industry for our energy use, but what tips and ideas have you got about how they should answer those questions? Right. So in terms of measuring a business's carbon footprint, there's a, a couple of different ways of going about it. So if you're a larger business, then you could afford to have a, a consultant like myself at like Sustainable Living Taz to calculate it for you. Uh, and with the business that we're working with at the moment, we're actually setting up a system where once it's set up, they'll be able to do the calculations on an ongoing basis themselves just by entering in information like how much electricity they use and how much fuel they consume and so on. Um, maybe we, we might be able to get the price of that down to something affordable for small businesses over time, but for now, it's probably something that you'd need to calculate yourself using an online tool. Um, there are hundreds of online tools out there and knowing which one to use is the trick. I think the most important thing is one that would factor in Tasmania's specific um, carbon intensity of the electricity used. As you mentioned, we've got 90-something you know, percent renewable um, and so you'd need to find a calculator that asks you whereabouts you operate and has the option to put in Tasmania specifically so it would then be using the correct emissions factors for Tasmania. Um, and so that process might only take you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes online. It, it, it kind of depends on having that information at your fingertips as to how much electricity you use and how much petrol you use and so on. Entering that information into a tool and then it will tell you uh, how much the carbon footprint of the business is. Um, and then again, you know, it's one thing to calculate it. 
but then strategies to reduce it is, uh, you know, that's where it's really important. And just having that calculation is a good first step. You'll see, you know, my emissions are coming from, it's all the car driving that we do or it's all of the electricity. Um, it'll be different for each business. So if it's car driving, then you can look at, you know, are there more efficient models that we can use? Do we need to keep them better maintained? Um, have less weight in them, take the roof racks off when they're not in use, keep the tyres inflated, drive more sensibly so you, you anticipate ahead and don't need to brake as much. Um, yeah, the, we, we've actually done that kind of eco-driver training for a couple of organisations in Tasmania and helped them reduce their fuel bills just by the behaviour of the drivers of the vehicles. Fantastic. Todd, a, a lot of sustainability questions that have been raised over the many, many years that we've been discussing all this is, well, that's all fine, but does it save me any money? Because as I said earlier in the piece, tourism in Tasmania is predominantly small businesses. And there's a lot of scepticism about, oh yeah, I could do all of that. I could do this. Is it really going to make any difference to me at all? Or is it just someone wanted to put another sticker on my front door? So really, what I'd like to understand is what are the case studies you might have or examples of where people have actually saved money that you could determine in real terms? And what are your hot tips for operators? Sure. So or one example just from the uh, aquaculture business I visited last week, uh, they're currently spending about $120,000 on electricity per year. And simply by changing tariffs, so not, not actually changing how they use energy, but which tariff they use, they can save $7,000 a year. So a bit, a bit over 5% of their electricity bill at the, with the flick of a pen. So that, that's one little example. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, Sustainable Living Tasmania has helped 4,500 low-income households around Tasmania. So we've actually visited them, sat around the kitchen table and discussed ways that they can reduce their energy consumption and make their house warmer. And while we were there, we, what I call picking the low-hanging fruit, so changing light bulbs, changing shower heads, draft-proofing windows and doors, turning down thermostats, that, that kind of simple stuff. But it adds up to quite a bit and we looked at their energy bills for a year before and a year after our visit and on average they saved 12% of their energy consumption. So just that's just from little changes. If you then went and changed uh, an old inefficient heater with a new heat pump, they could save hundreds of dollars more per year. Um, the, the top seven things I've got here. So the first one is behaviour change. It's things like allowing people to, to not need to have their towel changed every day. You know, that's, that stuff's free and it can save you money. So it's kind of a no-brainer. The Number two is efficient shower heads. So the vast majority of hot water that we use in our homes is through uh, the shower head, 90 something percent, and that would be the same for an accommodation business. In fact, when you're on holiday, let's face it, people take longer showers when they're on holiday because they're not paying for the bill. And so having a shower head that just uses less water per minute can save an extraordinary amount of money. We're talking hundreds of dollars per year for maybe a, you know, a $50 shower head. And that, you know, while there might be some concerns there that a cheaper shower head's not going to provide as nice an experience to the customer, uh, a resort that we're doing a, a detailed audit for at the moment, they have shower heads that use only six litres per minute. Uh, an efficient shower head is usually considered to be nine litres per minute. 
And on average, from the 4,500 households around Tassie that we visited, the average was 15 litres per minute. So going from 15 down to six, you're saving almost two-thirds of your hot water energy consumption, and that's going to be hundreds of dollars per year. So that's a really great one. Um, draft ceiling, so just plugging up all of those gaps around windows and doors and architraves and vents and so on, uh, you know, that's just warm air just getting leaked, wasted out of the building. So that's a, a really cheap one to fix and can make a really big difference, not just to energy savings, but also to the comfort of your guests, which is really important. Solar is number four. That used to be further down the list, but that's been creeping up and up the list as solar prices have come down. Um, yeah, just a fantastic investment, often uh, paying itself off within four or five years and you know, giving that 20% return on investment every year after that. So you might spend $6,000 on a five kilowatt system and it would save you $1,200 year after year after year. So fantastic investment. Ceiling insulation, uh, floor insulation and also wall insulation if you can get it in there, but starting off with the ceiling and then the floor. Um, again, it's not just about energy savings, but it's also about improving the comfort of your guests. Number six is heat pump heaters. So out of all the different heater types, heat pumps are the most efficient um, and they use half, maybe even a third of the energy of a conventional electric heater. So a big saving to be made there. And then heat pump hot water systems. So in the same way that a heat pump can heat air, it can also heat water and it does that much more efficiently than your conventional uh, hot water tank. So that can save a, a third... Uh, two-thirds, even three-quarters of your hot water bill. And for accommodation providers, the hot water is often a large part, so you could save uh, many hundreds of dollars a year by putting in a, uh, a heat pump hot water system, which might cost you, uh, say, $5,000. It might save you up to $1,000 a year. So quite a good payback on that too. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, Todd. I'm just worried about the bath. We've talked about showers and you can have a really interesting shower head reduction, mm -hmm. but you're never going to get someone to only fill the bath up to, you know, an inch or two, are you? If you no, uh, that's there, right. They need the full bath. Yes. So showering uses much less hot water, and especially if you can use an efficient shower head. Um, but like you say... Take you know, the baths out. The baths, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people really like to have a, a spa bath when they're on holiday and, and re relax in the hot tub. Um, so you might want to keep that in your accommodation business. And so the, thing, the only thing you can really do there is have an efficient way of heating the water. So a heat pump hot water system yeah. is even more important if you've got big spas in your, in your accommodation business. Thank you, Todd. Thank you very much for being with us today. And some of those, some of those seven tips are inspiring and I'm pretty sure you've inspired an awful lot of Tasmanians about how sustainability can assist their businesses. So thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. So thank you for everybody for listening and I hope you got some value out of our conversation with Todd. I certainly did. Um, <clears throat> we've discussed a whole range of things and, and until he arrived on the scene today, I didn't realise that Tasmania was carbon neutral and isn't that a valuable thing to consider in our marketing? And if it's part of the brand, absolutely we've got to walk the talk. If you've enjoyed today's show, then tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen as well. And thanks for listening, because we'll see you next week with our next episode. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. 
For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.